0: back this is todd sylvester for the todd sylvester inspires belief cast thank you for joining us today i'd like to thank our sponsor quickly here of Veracity networks thank you for believing in me and then i'd also like to thank paul cardall for that beautiful music he has given me permission to use his music at the beginning and the ending of our uh, belief cast today so paul you're you're amazing thank you for being willing to let me use your beautiful music it brings such a great feeling to these belief casts today and I also like to thank all the listeners. Thank you for joining us and for sharing. Uh, this has taken off, and I just can't believe it. It just blows my mind. And but it's not because of me. It's because of the listeners and these amazing guests that I have on. And today is no different. Today we we are so grateful to have Rebecca D. azevedo Overson. Thank you for joining us today, Happy Rebecca. To be here. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, she is. I can't wait for you guys to hear her story. She's doing a, a bunch of amazing things in this world. And I'm excited for you guys to hear her story. Um, a little background on Rebecca. Uh, she's been practicing the healing arts for more than half of her life, which is great. You're a licensed massage therapist since 1995. Yeah. Like we were just talking about, that's a long time. When I was time, a baby. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've helped hundreds of massage therapists across the globe to create thriving practices through her eight-week Rock Your Massage Practice Academy want to know more about that Mm -hmm. for sure. And it's a sought after business and mindset. And and, uh, ah, I said that wrong. (laughs) And a sought after business and mindset coach in the massage therapy industry. She has a BA in spiritual psychology, a certified uh, clarity coach, and a board certified master coach. She is a a headlining piano entertainer um, I mean the list just goes on and on she's doing all these amazing things she's passionate she's an inspired trainer coach who wants to spread the message of yes you can heal just about anything um, she's a mother she is peacefully co-parenting with uh, with her former spouse which we're going to talk more about yeah. because that's pretty rare yeah, actually super unfortunately rare. Yeah. but uh, anyway there's I could go on but um, I want people to hear from you and yeah pick pull at it what do you want to talk about <laughs> So, yeah, so Rebecca, thank you for joining us, and I I think where I'd like to start is just give us some background on where you grew up and maybe, you know, what your childhood uh, was like and, you know, a little bit more about your family.
1: Okay, cool. Yeah. So I was raised in a uh, LDS family. My dad is Lex D'Azevedo, who a lot of people who, if you were LDS and (laughs) alive in the 60s and 70s and 80s would know him for... Saturday's Warrior, My Turn on Earth. He's kind of the, uh, we jokingly call him the grandfather of Mormon pop music. Okay. Like prior to my dad, it was just the Mormon Tabernacle Choir and hymns. (laughs) And he was a record producer in Hollywood, you know, and he, in the 60s, um, and he realized that sex, drugs, rock and roll was kind of the beat of music. And he wanted to create a faith-based genre to support the youth of the LDS church. So, love it or or hate it he's the grandfather of mormon pop music <laughs> um, yeah. and really but but truly was an amazing contribution to the culture of of music sure. uh, faith-based music um saturday's warrior was a stage play in 1974 in los angeles they outsold elton john in concert really tickets. Yeah, it wow. was huge like that's people, impressive people don't really realize like it was it was just the first time mormons had seen themselves depicted in the media so it was just right. a, yeah. a huge thing so um so i grew wow. up you know pretty um i mean that was like the predominant conversation on yeah. our household we went to church yeah. every sunday i we paid our tithing we fasted once a month we did service we you know, it was like my, my parents had nine kids in 18 years. Wow. Yeah. My mom was 19 and he was 23 when they got married. Wow. And, um, so that was just growing up was a little chaotic. Sure. Nine kids. Yeah. And then being somewhat in the spotlight. I mean, you know, it's a big fish in a little pond, really. I mean, if you go ask anybody who's Lex Diaz of they don't know, but you know, he did, he's a golden globe nominated composer. He's had a, a very diverse musical career. And so Gratefully, music was the center of everything yeah. in our home and um, really instilled a, a love um, in me for music and performing and entertaining um, uh, my earliest memories as a child were on stage right, singing with my siblings, singing yeah. with my my extended family. It's just like if you're in a restaurant and it's someone's <laughs> birthday and you're sitting next to my family, it's going to be like five Watch part out. tight, awesome <laughs> harmony. And people just be like, can you come sing to my family? You know? Yeah, right. It's just what we what we love, but very, very uh, religious upbringing. And that was modeled to me. Um, you know, I, I felt like what I was supposed to want when I grew up was to be a Mormon housewife. You know, right. I was to find a great man who could buy me a house in Draper, Utah and buy me an Escalade and I'll have six kids and <laughs> put a roof over my head and I, right I would have an Etsy shop on the side or something. You know what I mean? Like it was like that was right. kind of what I was going for. And we uh, lived in Southern California. My parents lived in the San Fernando Valley for like 30 years. And then we moved to Salt Lake City in 1986 because my dad's company was here um, it was called Embryo Records, okay. and then he sold it later, and then it just it got acquired by Deseret Book, basically. You know. Right. So all the Mormons out there will know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, they're like, "Yep, <laughs> we've
0: heard this." And yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. So that was just very much the 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 culture that I grew right. up in. You know.
0: So um, I would imagine you started playing the piano at a young age as well. And when I was seven, uh, seven piano, years old, begged for piano lessons. Really.
1: Couldn't get me away from the piano. Yeah. In fact, one of my piano teachers, when I was about eleven, recently, like, I connected with him on Facebook in the last, like, I don't know, ten years or something. He had these little mini tape recorders of some of my lessons. And, really. And yeah, isn't that cool? Yeah, <laughs> I know that's I way cool. And I'm talking, and I'm being really sassy, and I'm telling him jokes, and then I'd go play my classical piece, and I, I was, I was like, wow, I do that for a living now. I'm sitting at the piano bench, yeah, playing songs, talking, entertaining people and it was just it was just always in me you know yeah. uh, just church choirs solos i have accompanied you know i've played the piano i've led choirs i've sung yeah. solos i just all of the things and and i feel fortunate because that gave me a lot of confidence just being in front of people yeah, in I, was a gonna way, yeah I was just going to so, ask that yeah i was
0: just going to ask that question you have a lot of energy you're very passionate I'm very confident. I mean you I mean I can feel your energy in this room. You kind of command the room. Mm. Is that because of just starting early on being on stage and learning to to overcome certain fears and things like that?
1: I think so. I've actually never I I tell people now, I have the opposite of stage fright. Mm. like if there's a stage I'm like I how can I contribute how can I share how can I like I just yeah it's kind of (laughs) weird because like (laughs) like what's the number one fear that people have in life is like public speaking public speaking yeah (laughs) and I'm like put me on the stage (laughs) um I I just I love it I feel like I feel like I get more self-expressed the more people are watching or listening you know like it's it it feeds I'm an extreme extrovert and it just feeds me yeah. Energy. so yeah I think there was a lot of that just grew up seeing I just remember seeing my sister Emily and my sister Julie um singing like solos in their high school glee choir right and I just thought I could do that I want to do that you know put me up there <laughs> yeah right you know so maybe it's a little bit of competitive sibling rivalry types of things but it was yeah. really modeled to me that you can put yourself out there you can do hard things. You could yeah. do scary things, you know, air quotes, scary things, you know? right? Um, and that, yeah. So kind of feel fortunate that way. Yeah, It's helped me a lot in life.
0: Yeah. Cause I, I mean, I mean, you still perform, you still do those things even to, to this day, but I would imagine that also helps you in helping others who probably struggle with their confidence. I would imagine that's part of your coaching is helping people believe in themselves and things yeah. like that. Talk a little bit about that.
1: Yeah. It's funny you say that because even though uh, you know, primarily, so I have two things I do. Like you mentioned in the uh, intro, one is that I, I coach massage therapists to build successful private mm-hmm. practices because most massage therapists, like anybody in the healing field or any kind of skilled profession, you're great at what you do, but you might have no idea how to run a business, how to market, how to get clients. Right, right sure. And so, massage therapists are fit into that category of. Passionate, skilled, want to help people heal, right. uh, uh, you know, chronic pain, just all of these things, but end up working in spas or franchises or environments that they just kind of like, I feel like I'm just a totally replaceable you right. know, employee. Yeah. So, so, so much of the benefits that my clients tell me that they get is confidence. They say, yeah. you know, it's really just confidence, it's the confidence that I can go do my dream. Yeah. I can do what I love. I can make a difference and I can make a living. And that's, uh, like I said, even going back to my parents, that's what my dad modeled to me, you know, he yeah. and to all of us kids, we're all entrepreneurs, all nine of us, <laughs> we're all entrepreneurs. And right. very, uh, you know, many of us live very visible kind of public lives and are very comfortable doing that. So confidence I feel like is is huge because if you have a gift to give the world, but you're scared to give it. yeah or you have limiting beliefs, or you have emotional scars, or then you're not going to give it. The world's never going to see that. And to me, I tell my clients all the time, it's, you know, your duty is to shine. That's your duty. You have a light inside of you and you are not doing the world any favors by dimming it, by hiding it. And, and that's, Honestly, what I feel like my job is, is helping people identify their greatness and have the courage to put it out there because it's scary. Yeah, It's scary, (laughs) you know? Um, But so worth it. So uh, sometimes people, you know, I might be a little overconfident in certain scenarios, but that's what my parents' goal was, was to raise confident children that could go out there and slay, you know, do what they wanted to do in the world. (laughs) I love that slay. Go out and slay the world. I love (laughs) that.
0: Well, where, let's talk about a time. This is I'm going to ask you a kind of a vulnerable question here, but talk about a time that maybe as a child you were struggling. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe it wasn't with confidence, you know. You like you said, you're hey, put me on the stage, I'm ready to go. But what were maybe some of your struggles growing up that, uh, you know, maybe have benefited you even now because you've overcome those things?
1: Yeah, I feel like I feel like as a child, my life was pretty. It was pretty easy until my senior year, my parents separated um, and got divorced. And I moved out with my dad. And I really lost my footing. Like, Mm. I, I really did. I feel like there was a period of time where I was kind of ready to launch myself out into the world like yeah. graduate from high school and I should have gone to college and I didn't do that till I was like 30 or whatever you know but <laughs> right. but it just I knew yeah. I was I was going to massage therapy school you know when I was 17 I knew I wanted to do that but and then I have my three younger siblings that were much younger so they were very much looked after during the divorce and you know separation right. and, and then all my siblings were all out of the house so I was kind of in this like caught yeah. in the middle Like she's not a child, but she's not an adult. Yeah. And it was really hard. I, it was really hard. Um, I feel like I lost my footing for a while and was just, became very codependent. Just kind of thought, well, I can take care of other people. Right. (laughs) I don't know who I am, but I can take care of everyone else. And I'm good (laughs) at that. You know, had to since identify and, you know, work through layers and layers of codependency. (laughs) But that was just really, really challenging to, feel like i had to my my life was not what i thought it was and i didn't have the security that i yeah. thought i had yeah you know and um so yeah i thought that that the the honestly one of the hardest things was so when i was 19 I was engaged. So I met this man who was also, I just love oh my goodness, I'm telling this story. Yeah. I met this man. Pull, pull he,
0: that mic just a little closer to you. Oh, yeah. There we he, go. He Great.
1: was um, <laughs> 10 years my senior. He was uh-huh. like old, 11, I think he was 30. That was not even a concern. But I guess when you're right. 19 and you're dating a 30 year old, your parents are going to kind of be like, what's going on? They're going to go, excuse me? Right. right? <laughs> and I especially like super Mormon girl, you know. Dating this older, you know, ex-Mormon, whatever. <laughs> and um, I, we got engaged and my family went crazy. They were just like, there's no way you're going to marry that guy. There's just no way. Right. And they intervened hardcore. Wow. And and I broke up with them. And it wasn't what I wanted to do. Even, it's funny, to even to this day, my mom still apologizes for that. Really? She's like, we shouldn't have intervened like that. We should have just let you live your life. Because what it did for me was... Um, It undermined my confidence. It undermined like, I don't know what's best for me. I guess other people do.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: You know, like that foundation of just like self-trust when you're going out to just have this adventure in your life and you think the world is your oyster. Yeah. And then you have this clan of really powerful people around you. I mean, my siblings are some of the scariest people I know, but some (laughs) of the awesomest people I know that were just like, it was like shark feed. Right. And I just felt like, okay, well, I guess, I guess I don't know what's best for me. So I broke up with him. And then nine months later, got married in the temple to a man that, you know, was a good friend, but it was more like a check in the Mormon checkbox. It was like, oh my gosh, if I'm 21 and not married, there must be something wrong with me. So I'd better go find a nice Mormon boy who went on a mission to marry, you know? For sure. So that was obviously just more devastation because that lasted like a year. You know, we got divorced after a year because I was just an idiot. You know, I just I I I hold nothing against him. He's a wonderful human being. But I just was like, ah, very emotionally immature. But it was that that slippery slope of like, I want to do the right thing. Yeah. But that's apparently got to be run through a committee of about a dozen people. (laughs) (laughs) Right. You know, (laughs) so that was that was truly hard. And especially being LDS and then divorced at age 22. I may as well have had a scarlet letter on my chest. Yeah. Right. I mean, I had guys that wouldn't date me
0: because they're like, they I,
1: oh, you're not a virgin. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, like wow. seriously, you know, yeah. or, they, or they're just like, oh, you've been married and divorced already. Like it, it was, so that weird. had
0: to play a role in kind of filling on your psyche. Like, wow, yeah. man. You
1: yeah. Know. You know, when you already have this feeling of not enoughness or I'm not okay in some way. And then right. it just, it just adds to that because that again was the, uh, that was always my goal. I mean, I, I, I had aspirations for other careers and things like that, but somewhere I picked up the idea that it wasn't okay to want what I wanted. Mm. I just had to like do the run the program, you know, like I had to find a nice man and get married and in the temple and have babies and like my mom did, Yeah. you know, but I'm like, well, that didn't really work out for her. (laughs) Like they got divorced after 28 years and nine kids and that was hard, you know, so for sure. So that, yeah, I think that was a, that was a real, um, what's the word I want to use? It was a real, it was just a rough time in my life, you know, to kind of sort out who am I and what am I doing? And yeah. I didn't know how I was trying to be a massage therapist and had no idea how to run a business and struggling. And, you know, it was just so those some really, really hard years for me.
0: Yeah. It sounds sure. like, so how did you kind of find your way out of that? I mean, You're going through this at that time, very difficult, which makes a lot of sense because I think the pressure, especially here in Utah, there's, like you said, check off the boxes. I'm going to do this. Yeah. And then I'm good. Yeah. Right? Right. airport's good. (laughs) Yeah. So now here you are, you know, you're kind of like feeling like, man, I'm kind of over here by myself almost. Yeah. So how did you find your way out of that? and what? What kind of got you there?
1: Honestly, I dug even deeper into being a Mormon. I was like going to the okay. temple every week. I was reading my scriptures. I, I just was like, okay. You know, because I was also at a very young age into a lot of like new age philosophies. I read yeah. Conversations with God when I was like 20. Yeah. I read, you know, I'm looking at your stack of books. here. I had the power of now. Like some of these yeah. things that a lot of people are like just now discovering yeah. was I was consuming that when I was 21, like yeah, literally digging into more than stuff. 20 years ago sure. um, because I was a massage therapist and I was very interested in healing. And, yeah. and so I just gobbled up everything that I could. And I felt like I was... Mingling the philosophies of men with scripture, and so I just cut it all out. (laughs) I just cut it all out, and I was like, I'm just gonna like work the program so hard, and I'm gonna heal, and I'm gonna fix what's broken. I'm gonna get a new heart. I'm gonna be spiritually born again, you know. And I really, I say that kind of laughing, because you know I'm no longer active in the LDS faith, but it was a really beautiful time where I just. I feel like if people will just submit to whatever program they're working, it's going to work for them. Right. Do you know what I mean? Totally agree. I mean, whether that's 12 steps or whether that, I mean, just like, it's like a diet. Any diet yeah. will work if you just freaking stick to it. <laughs> yeah. Right?
0: Yeah, that is so true. You know, I work with a lot of clients and I'll say this, like you can go to the worst treatment center on the planet. If you want it, you'll get it. Exactly. Because you, you it's to the, you. It's yeah. The commitment and you can go to the you. best treatment center on the planet. And if you don't want it, it doesn't matter. Exactly. And you're not getting it. Exactly. So I could. I love that you said that because I think people need to hear that. Yeah. If you just put in the work, it will work for you.
1: It's the commitment to change. Yeah. You I love have that. to decide enough is enough. Yeah. And I just remember being in the temple one day and just praying my head off, and it was just like enough's enough. Like I'm, I'm not going to leave until I feel different. Right. You know. Otherwise, I'm going to drive my car off a cliff. I mean, it was like I was really distressed. You yeah. know, I was really distressed. Yeah. Wow. And um and I just um the best uh, really the best thing was that. I I I turned a lot of those things around. I took on just my own spiritual healing and emotional maturity, and then I met Rob. I met Rob when I was this is when I was living in I spent a couple years in Washington D.C. area um, in Northern Virginia. I lived with one of my sisters. My dad was like, "Get out of Utah! Just get out of Utah! You just (laughs) need to get a fresh start somewhere. Hunting a husband, just get out of Utah, (laughs) you know." Um, I love that. And so, and I um, just healed a lot. And then I met yeah. Rob and uh, Rob was, you know, we got married uh, about a year after we had met and uh, we have two beautiful sons together. Our marriage lasted 10 years. We left the church together at the mm-hmm. same time, right. about 12 years ago when our, yeah. our second baby was, our second child was born. And, you know, it was just a, it was a great evolution. And it was just kind of a, it, even to this day, he and I are, are very close. We're just I wouldn't say like best friends because there's probably certain things I wouldn't share with Rob that I would share with a best friend. Yeah. (laughs) But we're like siblings. Right. We really love and respect each other. We co-parent. We've gone through that, you know, leaving the church kind of thing together and he's been through subsequent relationships. I've been through subsequent relationships but we've just ultimately we want what's best for our kids for sure so we you know we pull it together
0: for the well, kids well we said that in the beginning how you peacefully co-parent with rob right yeah. can you i mean i think this is rare in the sense that a lot of times when there's kids involved in this and that there's there's this give and take and there's this resentments and there's this angst and anger and the kids can feel it and see it and it's hard on everybody right yeah so how hard. did you guys just get together i mean how did you guys decide and why did you go this route? Like, let's peacefully do this. Like, how did that happen? Because well, I think a lot of our peaceful listeners that. At first, sure. It well, not. I'm sure it wasn't. Yeah. It was
1: really awful and messy. <laughs> and you know, my heart goes out to anybody going through that process, even as good as it could be when it's amicable. Yeah. But I know there's horrible things that happen that just really are so damaging to families and. Sure. You know, he was really angry at me for a while and and, um, not very nice and just wanted to take pot shots wherever he could. And he'll even admit to that. And he wouldn't mind me saying that. But we just (laughs) did not have a good time. And about, I I don't know, I want to say a year or two, Mm -hmm. he, he, again, he might tell it differently, but this is kind of how it sinks into my head, is that he just realized, like, you know what? If Rebecca's happy, she's going to be a better mom. Mm. And why am I trying to chop her down? Yeah. She's the mother of my children. I I if I, if I can behave in a way that makes her life easier, it's going to make life easier for the kids. Right. And it was instantaneous. It really? was like he called me up one day, he just said, "I'm really sorry. I've been a total you know, insert cuss word, whatever, you know? (laughs) And, um, and he said, I just really, I'm done. I'm done with that. And I, I want you to be happy. And I, I want to have a great relationship with you. And we have, we just have ever since.
0: That's beautiful. I mean,
1: he was, when I got pregnant with my daughter, um, in 2015, um, Mm -hmm. he was one of the first people I told, you know, like it was like, Hey, so, I gotta tell you something. I'm having a baby. You know, it was a hard. <laughs>
0: yeah, sure. <laughs>
1: I was, you know, yeah. I was not married. I was, you know, it was just this whole other circumstances that were less than ideal. And, but figured he needed to know. Yeah. And we have this rule like, if we're dating someone, we don't introduce that person to our children unless we've been committedly dating that person for at least 90 days. Oh, and that's, then that's great. Rob will get to meet that person before that person meets my children. Mm. It's like, it's, we have this family dynamic and I come as with a package deal. Yeah. I come with Rob, I come with our sons and I come with my little girl yeah. and a standard poodle. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and it's, it's, yeah. it's, that's what people need to recognize is that your life will never be the same after a divorce and it's going to uh, be hard anyway. Sure. Yeah. So come on, just pull it together for the kids. Yeah. Nobody, nobody benefits from a bloodbath.
0: No one does. You
1: can either be right or you can be free, right? Yeah. Byron Katie says that. Yeah. And you can just be right that this shouldn't have happened, and it shouldn't be this way, and this person should be different, and all these shoulds. It doesn't change the fact that that's yeah. another keeps hurting person over yeah. there. Just keeps you stuck. Yeah. Keeps you so, stuck. Gratefully. Well, I,
0: I love what you said in the beginning, where you. Uh, it's like if if Rebecca's happy, she's going to be a better mom. Yeah. If I'm happy, I'll be a better dad, right? Rob's saying these things, and yeah. so man, I, I that is so profound, and it's so simple. It is it's simple. Like, Okay, let's just treat each other with respect and let's peacefully do this so we can be better parents. At a basic I love it.
1: and I know people out there have a lot more trauma than he and I had. I I know that. I know yeah. there's some super super dysfunctional stuff going on out there and you can't always you can't co-parent with a terrorist. You can't. Right. I, I mean, I sure. can, I've I've done <laughs> I've been in some less than savory situations too and I yeah. that's and I've made different choices there as well, right? Yeah. But um but I feel like if you can at least respect that that is the father or mother of your children and your children are half that person yeah and whatever fiery darts you spit at that other person it goes through your children right because the child looks and goes oh dad's you know if she here the child hears you complaining about their parent they internalize that right they think oh that's me oh dad struggles with that i'm going to struggle I'm with that oh struggle. mom's that way oh i must be that way and no parent with a you know head and heart wants to intentionally harm their children yeah you know so i think that's one of the best things we can do is just love love the other person Grant them grace, grant them space, Right. make life easy for everybody. Yeah. It's going to be-, be hard enough.
0: Beautifully said. Thank yeah. you. That's awesome. Yeah, it's important to me. You know, one of your messages, and we said this in the beginning as well, is yes, you can heal anything mm-hmm. or almost anything, right? Yeah. Tell, tell me what that message is, and is that part of your coaching where you're yeah. trying to help these people? Like, hey, we can. you can make it through this. Yeah,
1: so I had this vision uh, a while ago of... Uh, I don't know how to say this, but I just, I just, I just had this uh, for, through the various trainings that I, mm-hmm. and certifications that I've gotten. I, yeah. I realized, you know, cause I work primarily with massage therapists. I am one, right. I've been one yeah. for 25 years. I'm yeah. re- retired. Obviously I don't practice, but, but that's my, been my field. And when I learned about all of the aspects of the mind, I realized, wait a minute, massage therapists are the self-proclaimed you know guardians of the mind body connection right right, right. oh even just stress affects your body you know I'm like we all know that but right. very few of them are actually working with it yeah so when i learned hypnotherapy for example i was okay. like oh hypnotherapy is literally just using your imagination to create your life like that's taught in psycho cybernetics that's sure. taught in like so many places is yeah. the oldest form of, of healing out there and i had this vision of what if i could teach massage therapists all of these mind tools. Yeah. And that's why I created I heal Institute because m- massage therapists, they get great at business and they fill their practices. A lot of them kind of think, well, what, do I, what else could I do? Yeah. I want to have an impact beyond my massage table. So I now train uh, them in skills like hypnotherapy, um, timeline okay. therapy, NLP, NLP coaching and things yeah, like that, right. making change to conversation and language basically. And I had this vision of this unleashing this army of healers on the yeah. planet People need to know this stuff. The mind yeah, is everything. For sure. The mind is everything. And then you get into the conscious mind and the subconscious mind and and how our focus determines our results. And yeah. so it's just been this beautiful blossoming of, of this awesome. vision that I had, which is that, you know, people don't need to be stuck with, uh, people don't need to stay stuck. You can always move forward. The only thing I've, encountered that really can't be healed that, that I know of, and maybe there's a hope even still out there is like spinal cord injuries, like real severe ones. Sure. The body seems to not be able to recover once that connection is cut. Right. Right. But even, I still have hope for that, but can you heal codependency? Absolutely. Can you heal addiction? Absolutely. Can you heal from a broken marriage? Can you heal from a broken childhood? Yes. Because your past does not determine your future. Yeah, right. And so I, everything in my whole life has just been about healing and empowering healers and training healers and teaching people how to heal. And, of course, working with my own clients. And yeah. uh, But it's just become my my vision and my mission the last couple of years that healing is possible and people just need to know what the resources are.
0: Oh, they that. need to know yeah. that there
1: are people. If one person has done it, then you can do it too. Then you can do it. Yeah, you I know, love that. it's just, uh, and I just will bang that drum till the day I die. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, so why do you love helping people so much?
1: Well, there's probably, like I said, I am a recovering codependent. So there's a little bit of the sure. compulsive caretaking, yeah, right? So I've had to <laughs> s- square off with I lo- that I, lo- one. I love how real you are. <laughs> Still working on that with my therapist, like peeling back the layers of, sure. of that onion. But definitely having much better boundaries and self-care, yeah. and I'm mm-hmm. including myself in all of the people I yeah. you know, take care of, so sure. that's important. But um, I just... I don't know what it is, Todd, but I, ever since I was a child, I could just see who people really are. Like I could see their souls, their spirits, and be able to look past the bullshit that they're presenting or whatever the pain is on the surface. And I just, once, I don't know, I just can't not see that when I look at people. I see their highest self. I see what's possible for them. I see... I see who they are without their pain and without their story. And I just will hold that highest vision for people until they claim it for themselves. Yeah. I feel like that's my job. That's, yeah. that's my purpose for being on this planet wow. is that people are liberated and empowered and experience awe. Yeah. It's that, it's that, um, Marianne Williamson quote that's been on my wall since I was 19 years old yep. that everybody knows. And, and or a lot of people know, but that piece of it, which is as, as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. Yeah. As we're liberated from our own fears, our presence automatically liberates others. So I felt like I owe it to to the world and to myself to do my own healing work, to liberate myself so that I can help other people liberate themselves. Wow. There's just so much light and so much good in the world. Yeah. And so many amazing people out there if they just knew who they were. <laughs>
0: right. Yeah. No, I love that. Thank so, you, man. Again, yeah. beautifully said. I, that's so beautiful. You know, I know uh with your coaching um you talk about how how we can create profound change by mastering the language of our mind. Yeah, And I know you just kind of touched on that right yeah. there. Can you give us a little more detail on what that looks like yeah. with your coaching?
1: Yeah, one of the things I teach, so I'm a, tra- I'm a board certified trainer of NLP, which is Neuro Linguistic Programming, mm-hmm. it's what Tony Robbins uses. Yeah. When people see Tony work and how does he just have a conversation with people and they shift? Yeah. Right? That's really the magic yeah. of NLP, but really uh, that words are everything. Yeah, The words we use to label our experiences determine everything in our life. Mm-hmm. You and I could look at the same event and yeah. label it differently and have a different residual effect of that. For you, it might be the worst thing that ever happened. For me, it might be the best thing that ever happened. And that's going to determine a lot. Yeah. So when I say the language of the mind... I like to teach that what people aren't aware of is that there's only six things you can do inside your head. There's literally, people don't pay attention to what they're doing in their head. They're just doing it unconsciously. You're not aware of what you do inside your head. Pretty much everybody could talk to themselves, right? If I said recite the times tables for five in your head, Mm -hmm. everybody can do that. If I say picture a pineapple... You can do that. If I say, yeah. imagine how pineapple tastes, and you've tasted one, you could imagine how it tastes. You're not tasting one, but, but yeah. you can recall it in your sure. mind, or you yeah. can construct it in your mind. Mm-hmm. I, I could say, imagine a pineapple that's pink inside, and you could, even you've never seen one, you could construct that image inside your head. Yeah. So a lot of what I teach begins with teaching people how their mind actually works, because everything is projected outward from that. Yeah. And you're trying to change the people around you. Good luck. You're trying to change the circumstances of the world. Good luck.
0: Good luck. Yeah. Good luck. You're not gonna.
1: It's all coming from inside of you, regardless. Sure. Even though the even uh, people will argue with that, they'll say, "Well, I didn't create that." You know, law of attraction BS. I didn't create that terrorist attack. And it's like, well, but you always have a choice of how do you respond yeah, to it. To it. Yeah. Is it gonna close you down? Is it gonna open you up? And so the six things in your head, you know, is basically all five senses. So your visual, auditory. Kinesthetic, olfactory, and gustatory. So that's mm-hmm. technical, fancy words for smell and taste. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then this other thing is you can talk to yourself. Yeah. And the words you use label your external experiences. It's it's the, so the language of the mind is really about people will unconsciously hold words, pictures, feelings, mm-hmm. smells, tastes in their head that kind of encode their external. Experience,
0: right?
1: I mean, there's again the way I see a stage. Going back, to what we talked before. I see a stage that looks fun to me, that looks exciting to me. Especially if there's a piano attached to it, yeah. I'm going to be like, "Get me on that stage! Yeah. We're going to have some fun." And uh, whereas other people have a whole other right. oh, getting laughed when uh, when they were in third grade and they forgot their line in the school play. Yeah. So it's really about the conversations and images and sights and sounds and all of those things that we hold inside of our head that shape it determines our emotional state yeah all emotional states are preceded by an internal representation you know again it's it's not just the words we use it's pictures and all of those things all five senses inside your head it determines your emotional state and it also determines your physiology I've never seen a joyful person curled up in the fetal position crying on the floor. Right. There's a physiology of depression. Right. Do you know what I mean? Right? Yeah, for sure. So so it it determines your emotional state, which impacts your actions you take with your body. Your body is a is a results producing device, right? Yeah. And then that kicks out your behavior. Yeah. And so that's Really important model of looking at how to work with your mind, because if people's behavior is determined by a conscious and unconscious chain of events, like unconscious recipe that goes on, yeah, like how do you know it's time to bite your nails? People just bite their nails; they they don't think of it. It's yeah. completely unconscious. Yeah, they just do it. How do you know it's time to yell at your kids? How do you know it's time to feel depressed? Those are all a sequence, a recipe of unconscious. A plus B equals C. And if you change one thing in the recipe, you change everything. Mm. Just like if I take my cookie dough mix and I change the moisture and I change, then I can make brownies out of it or I can make a cake out of it. If I change the recipe even slightly, I'm going to get a totally different result. So when I say helping people produce results by mastering the language of the mind, it's because it's the mind that everything else flows out of. You can't. You can't change anything else without changing your, the lens through which you're projecting everything that you see. Right. That sounds a little woo woo, I'm sure to some people, but that's spot on actually, you know, again, read anything, psycho cybernetics, read, you know, the, (laughs) all of these books I'm looking at, here. the power of now you are a badass, you know, all those things. And they will all go back to that one irrefutable fact, which is as a man thinketh, so is he. Yeah. Which
0: that book's right over there, by the way. That book's it's it's the book I have. That's another one I have on my
1: wall too. Life isn't about finding yourself, it's about creating yourself. Yeah. So we can absolutely create our futures. Yeah. We can absolutely create results that are unprecedented in our lives. The fact that I am no longer depressed. I did you know, we there's a lot we have not covered, but I I know I had like (laughs) severe undiagnosed depression, was on medication, got off of that, been totally symptom free for years, have recovered from You know, leaving a a very predominant faith in my, you know, my upbringing, going through all of that cultural backlash, um, married twice and divorced, um, again, where that's very frowned upon, um, having a, a a baby girl on my, on my own, um, co-parenting with me and building a very successful worldwide coaching practice and being totally what I feel like is I'm absolutely living true to my purpose and very few people can say that. And to look at just the growth that I have achieved over the last five years, I just look back and I don't even recognize that person that used to be crying on the floor. Yeah, I'm just like, oh, God bless her. Like, yeah. But with these tools, people really are unlimited in what they can create. Yeah, and that's what excites me. That so that's what gets me out of bed every day and why I just keep like pushing myself <laughs> to achieve. You know, yeah. to have a have a far uh, far uh, further my impact and my and my influence is because. I want people to learn how to heal themselves. Right. I can't do it for you. Just right. like you said, any addiction program could be great, but if you're not showing up and you're not doing the work and you're not committed and you're not changing the inner conversations, then you're just gonna be always managing it instead of being done with it and put it behind you. Right. And that's very important for me for people to to be aware of. Is that's what I mean when I say you can heal just about anything. Yeah.
0: Probably, probably anything. It. Yeah, <laughs> I don't
1: probably, know. Yeah, who am I to say?
0: Yeah, no, I love it, and I don't think it sounds woo woo or anything. Someone might, I guess, like you said, but uh, this is what this is kind of my world too, and it's I just the love it. Water we swim I mean, in, you know. Yeah, I've... and and when people, what, and I think you can probably agree to this when we see when you see a client finally like just truly buy into this, and yeah. they they start doing it themselves, and you see the growth, you see the change. It's like. This is why I like doing what I'm doing because uh, I
1: get to see that. I'll tell you, I have this just popped in my head, no, so I'm please. gonna honor it. One of my students just uh so I just I do this online event called Creating Your Future. It's a two day event. It's not you know, obviously a lot of my clients attend it. They're massage therapists, but it's open to everybody. Yeah. And um one of my one of my students just posted this. We just had it uh, Recently I'm gonna see if I can find this okay. this um, screenshot because this is stunning to people right people say no way They they really do they say no way you can't do that But it happens around me all the time So this is a little bit of the feedback This is one of the students said she said I can't thank Rebecca enough for giving me the opportunity to heal trauma that I have been dealing with for over 40 years. Mm. I have spent years and lots of money in conventional therapy and in one moment I was able to release the anger toward my abusers. I have released the sadness of a lost childhood and the innocence of me as a child that was taken from me. I have released the fear and guilt and shame of two violent attacks that happened to me in the military. I have dealt with limiting beliefs about myself that were holding me back and growing into my true potential. That was, an, that was a hard one to let go. I really had to go far in the past to release it. But releasing my fear of abandonment, I felt so free, safe, serene, at peace, like the weight of the world was released from not only my shoulders but my body. You know, she went just and she went on and on about it's amazing. You know, that in a moment, because to me, healing does happen in a moment. If you have the right tools, you can absolutely let go of a lifetime of fear, anger, sadness, hurt, guilt, all of those destructive emotions when you know how to do that. So, even just the depression or the divorce, I'm like, guys, you don't have to suffer about that. You don't have to be stuck with that. Yeah. You don't have to necessarily be on medications your whole life. I, you don't have to, there's just, I'm, and I, I'll am and be out there, keep taking your meds, right? I'm not yeah. saying that, but, but if you decide that yeah. something is better, if you decide you want to make a change, there are so many options out there right? to heal it, but you have to be committed to making the change. You have to be coachable, show up and do the work, and you got to also get resourceful because yeah. it's probably not going to find you. You're going to have to dig and dig and dig and dig right. to find the stuff that people aren't telling you about exactly. that are going to make the biggest difference in your healing.
0: What's well, what you said earlier, if you put in the work, it's yeah. it's going to work. Yeah. You know, I'll have uh parents will ask me, "Hey, what's your success rate?" and I'll say a 100%. 100%. And they look at me and they go, "What?" And I'm like, "Yeah, 100%. If they put in the work, they'll get this. Yeah. 0% if they don't." Exactly. It's not me, it's going to be them. the client, right? It's so them, yep. But no, I love what you're saying. Like I'm giving me like goosebumps Mm. and that what a beautiful message. Right. I mean, that's gotta be like,
1: wow. It, it, it's, it's, it surprises me. And it also doesn't surprise me because I just know I've just (laughs) declared over and over again around me. Miracles happen. Yeah. Like I move people. That's what I do. And grateful to have gotten connected to that at a very young age and to just keep expanding that, expanding that as I, as I get older. um, I love it. I love yeah. it so much. And wow. to see people liberate themselves from what's holding them back. For sure. It's just, I was a birth doula. I don't know if you knew that. I owned a prenatal no. massage clinic for nine years here oh, in Salt okay. Lake City, Utah. Did not know that. And I've helped a lot of women and their partners give birth. And and it's just, to me, I cried at every birth. Yeah. Every single time I see a baby emerge, it's just like, oh my gosh. Like, know, How does amazing. that even happen? It's a yeah. miracle. And that's now how I feel when I coach people through these processes or I just teach them the tools and then they do it themselves. Yeah. It's like watching babies get born all the time. Yeah. And it's that rebirth I feel like is so powerful for people to claim their greatness. It's and amazing. then it puts them on a totally different path. Yeah. Where I they go out and help other people to heal. And that's my vision, right? Is yeah. this army of healers just yeah. A healer in every home that people know how to how to move mountains, yeah, and heal wounds that seem to be unhealable.
0: Well, you know, one of the things I say a lot too to my clients that uh, adversity or addiction, you know, depending on who I'm sitting with, is the wake up call to your greatness. Hundred percent. And as I sit here listening to your story, and I know we've, you know, we've a sliver of your story is what we've been talking about, but looking what you've been through and what you're doing today truly that just um, yeah. it's there it is you went through all of this stuff to wake you up to this great to your greatness and all this stuff you're doing and being like you said a light to people and to this world it's beautiful
1: it's what it's about i, I feel like <laughs> why beautiful. what else are we doing if not that exactly it's yeah. just uh, and literally looking on your office i have all the same like you're powerful beyond measure you are a masterful creator like just that's yeah. that's i feel like people do have to sometimes go through that dark night of the soul and it's that deep forgetting of who they Mm -hmm. are that that puts them into addiction or struggle or different uh situations because they're they're not um sometimes that's a really powerful catalyst for change yeah and sometimes people have to go so deep into the depths of their pain in order to discover the commitment to change for sure that this is rock bottom and there's only one way up yeah and it's a it's good an foundation ongoing process. To build from, right <laughs> absolutely it's like well it can't get any worse <laughs> right so that's good yeah. yeah and just to keep moving forward but yeah. that being said I've also found that no matter what I uh, achieve that's not the right word but whatever we accomplish it's like Growth is ongoing. Growth is eternal. Yeah. It's uh, my mom has this magnet on her fridge that says, um, it says, no one's ever got it all together. That's like trying to eat once and for all. (laughs) Like, that is so true. That is true. It's just having a constant (laughs) commitment to growth and awareness. No matter what level you're at, there's always a next level. So it's not about arriving, it's about loving the process, loving the the process of growth and self-discovery and empowerment and awakening, yeah. whatever that looks like, that's to me what my life has been about yeah. and will continue to be about. Yeah, man, I love your passion. This is awesome. <laughs> Seriously, I can just,
0: I, you know, and I, I know <laughs> the listeners are feeling this too. Well, if there's someone right now listening to your story and they're struggling, they're kind of in a dark place right now and they're just, they feel it, maybe at times hopeless What I mean, you've already given some amazing advice and you've talked about some powerful principles. What could you tell someone right now who is sitting there going, man, I I don't know. I'm struggling.
1: Yeah. Number one is, of course, you gotta know it just gets better. You have to believe in a Mm -hmm. better future. Yeah. You have to have even just a little tiny glimmer of hope to keep you moving forward. And I know how dark it can be. I really, you know, sure. I really know yeah. how dark it can be for myself in right. my moments where I just wanted to be six feet under. Yeah. And, but on a practical level, the, f- the first thing that has to happen is you have to decide and commit to change. Yeah. No one's going to do it for you. Yeah. It literally has to be the awakening of the lion or lioness inside of you that roars and says, no more. I'm done. I'm done with this. I'm willing to do whatever it takes. Yeah. I am I will leave no stone unturned that you are absolutely committed to freedom from whatever it is that has you in bondage because that's going to be the that's the combustion. That's got to be the the engine inside that's the catalyst for change. No yeah. one can do it for you. Just like I would always tell when I was birthing my first child, I did home births and my mom was there helping mm-hmm. me with my first baby. Okay. And as I was about to start pushing, I just looked at her. I said, I think I was in the middle of pushing or something, push for like an hour. And she, I looked at her, I said, mom, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. Like, I can't do this. Yeah. I felt like I was going to split open from my chin to my right. tail. Like I just, the pressure, the, the pain, it, the, the, the ag, I mean, I've been in labor for a day. I mean, you know, it was just like that agonizing thing. I just looked at her. I said, "I'm gonna die," and she said, "You know, sweetheart, you are gonna die. Not literally, but but yeah. you gotta let go." You're giving, I was like, what is even happening? What is the point of all of this that I'm feeling? She says, You're giving birth to a child. Okay, reality check, you know, because <laughs> women in labor can be a little bit, you know, sure. It's yeah. a truly an altered state of consciousness. Oh, I bet. Um, and so uh, she said, Well, you're giving birth to your baby and you're also giving birth to yourself as a mother. Mm. Like this new identity. It's like the, yeah. it's like the, butterfly coming out of the cocoon yeah right life is just a whole cycle of death and birth and, and cocoons and butterflies you know yeah so so i think that's the reminder is when you're in that deep deep pain that's the caterpillar you're in the cocoon yeah. you gotta let go and turn into dna soup and and let those imaginal discs kick in and let let that 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 deep blueprint of your your God or goddessness, you know, your, your ultimate power, just surrender to that and just decide, okay, there's no way out except through this. Yeah. And that was the mantra of all my moms in labor. And when my mom was coaching me, the only way through this labor and through this birth is through it. There's no shortcuts. You just got to surrender to it. Let go. Let the baby out. Like, yeah. right. let your body do the work. <laughs> yeah. and, so surrendering to yeah. that process, I, I think, will be so much more powerful than fighting it. Yeah. Because if you fight it, it creates more tension and more pain. Yeah. Let go. You're good. Surround yourself with people that love you. Surround yourself with people that are positive. Read books. Yeah. Take courses. Like, just decide that you're sure. worth it. And invest in yourself because your old tools your old tools obviously aren't working. you got to get yeah. some new tools. Yeah. Wow. So, love yeah. It. That's...
0: No, that's great advice. I love it. My five cents worth. No, that's beautiful. No, thank you. That's remarkable. Um, Make that decision, folks. Like honestly, make that decision to make a change. And a lot of times, we need help. So you know, reach out to Rebecca. I mean, so tell us, like, how would someone do that? What, where can they find (sighs) you? What, what's your website? and how
1: for well for massage therapists out there it's rockyourmassagepractice.com but okay. everybody else it's ihealinstitute.com okay. and i have my courses and trainings i love to train people in hypnotherapy for self healing for self healing yeah right. so i okay. do this really great online 3-day course and then my very very favorite course is the creating your future seminar which is yeah. 2 days we're currently doing them doing them on zoom <laughs> Of course, right? Of course, but, yeah, sure. Uh, but still so, so, so powerful. And that's where I walk people through how to how their mind works and how yeah. their focus creates their results. And then I teach a really powerful, we, we walk people through a process of letting go without ever having to revisit your trauma or ever having to talk about it to let go of all of your anger, yeah. all of your sadness. There's five negative emotions we let go of as a group. It takes seriously less than seven minutes it's an amazing process yeah. and why I became a trainer of these tools was because I just saw myself doing that in a stadium of 40,000 people. I mean, can you imagine what the world would be like yeah. if everybody could literally yeah. just let go <laughs> of all their negative emotions and start kind of fresh. So that's, you know, what I, that's what I offer, um, is, is those trainings. I do very little one-on-one coaching anymore because okay. I just want to train coaches. I want right. to train healers. For sure. So, uh, that's yeah. all available at my website, okay. I Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, thank you so much for coming here today. You're amazing. Really. I love love your passion, your energy, your light, all of it. It's amazing. It really is. I love your shirt. It says, I believe in you. I made it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I made this shirt. I believe in you. But again, you just, you, you really do. You have a great energy about you. And I think that's, uh, it's on purpose. Thank you. If that makes sense. Right. Yeah. You know, so. Um, I can't thank you enough for taking some time and, and I hope my our listeners will reach out to you and, and check out these courses and, and get involved that way, especially if you're struggling. I mean, yeah. here's here's the answer, folks. We got a pathway. We, right? we got here's tools. Right? Here's the tool. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. So thank you so much. My pleasure. You're awesome. Well, there you go, folks. I told you, another amazing guest today, Rebecca D. Azevedo Overson. Please reach out to her. Her website, again, is ihealinstitute.com. She's got... Uh, these courses she just mentioned please check them out and join one of them i mean if you really want to change your life this is a great opportunity and i know there's people listening right now that need this so thank you thank you for believing in me again thank you paul cardall for your beautiful music and thank you uh, brassy networks for believing me as well so until next time again thanks rebecca thank you